You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, for the first time ever, we are venturing into the industrial property market. It's been a long time coming. I've had to wait a long time to identify the person I thought was able to speak most eloquently about this topic and there's no one I've seen who could speak with such rigor, such information and such passion as Wayne Chorley, director at Realmark, specializing in the industrial space. Wayne, thanks so much for coming in, mate. My pleasure, Trent. Wayne, as I said, it's been a long time coming. We've spoken about commercial property with Luke Rendazza. We've spoken about childcare with Anthony Morabito. We've spoken about residential property across... A couple of hundred episodes now, we're in our fifth season. It's taken a while for us to get here, but the industrial space is one that really has had a story over the last, I'd say, three years. That is at least of note because it seemed like it was in slumberland for many years before that. And I think it's poignant going into 2023 to have a conversation with someone who knows it so intrinsically to discuss, where's it been? Let's tell the story. And it feels like a new chapter is going to start next year. What do you think the word on those pages will look like? Can we start off firstly with the real 101 about industrial property for those people who've just never thought about the space before, your mum and dads? Explain to us an example of industrial property. A typical industrial property would consist of an office warehouse or office workshop. The difference between a warehouse and a workshop is that the workshop has gantry cranes and some hard stand that goes with it. That's a typical industrial development size-wise. I guess about 1,000 to 2,000 square metres is a fairly typical-sized industrial warehouse or workshop in Perth. That's the building itself? Building itself, yeah. What sort of land portion might it sit on? You work on a two-to-one ratio, so for 1,000 square metres, you'd need 2,000 square metres of land. Just for parking? Parking, landscaping, yeah. Curtilage around the building to get trucks in and out. Geez, if I can quickly digress, I, when I look at industrial property in Perth, most of those one to 2,000 square metre buildings are sitting on one to two hectares. Is some, there an opportunity there we can talk about later in the episode? There are some, but they'd be fairly specialised, those operators who would need a very large component of hard stand for whatever reason. So we're talking big sheds, Yep. essentially. Yep. Where would we find these sheds in Western Australia? Walshpool, Canning Vale, Bibra Lake, Balcada, Osborne Park, Wangara, Malaga, Tanirabup. Kudar Walshpool almost merged into one now. Hazelmere is an emerging area with a lot of activity out there at the moment. Land is transacting and there's been a lot of development out in Hazelmere of late. Henderson? Henderson, of course, yeah. Henderson is a predominantly shipbuilding or marine related, but very popular area. How do we rank those in terms of values or are they all really just the same, quite homogenous and they simply just geographically based based on the needs of the operator? Land values, Welshpool Kudal has always been the most expensive. Because of its proximity to the airport? Its proximity to the airport is, is the main attraction to both occupiers and investors. Osborne Park. Look, at Osborne Park, land values are probably $900 to $1,000 a square metre. So it's really no longer an industrial precinct. Is that just because it's too expensive to operate profitably? It's just too expensive. So is that just going to keep, I guess, blending into commercial It's going to become more large format. Yeah. A lot of the bigger industrial users have moved out of Osborne Park. So it's like showrooms. It's yeah, it's bulky goods. It's yep. it's large format as they call it now. Okay. So it's got a higher and better use than in, than industrial. What can we expect to pay as a tenant for a warehouse that we're leasing out? 
there's a distinct hierarchy in values in the industrial space, but the renting market, the rents have basically blended out into one rate per square metre. So typically it's, it's 90 to $100 per square metre for something that's a bit older. New is at 125 to 135 per square metre. And that blending out has been caused by the lack of, lack of supply in the market. We've seen very strong demand for leasehold space in Perth and the vacancy rates hovering around about half a percent. So, so it's, it's very ba- similar to the residential market. Very similar, yep. So it's basically a full house. So a lot of that C-grade, D-grade stuff, simply by virtue of the fact there's nothing around, is being taken up and compressing the prices up closer to yeah, a lot of the A-grade yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's right. Where's the demand coming from, you might ask? Since the pandemic, a lot of companies, organisations have realised that they have to have a warehouse in Perth. So less centralised, less Sydney-centric. Correct. We've all experienced the supply chain problems and uh, companies have realised they must have something. They must have a presence in Perth. And this has created the demand. Unfortunately, the supply side of it has been limited by the fact of the construction costs. Mm. A lot of uh, con- developers have put their development plans on hold pending some relief in terms of steel cost. price rises. Yeah. Yeah. Is it mainly steel cost? Then, steel, oh, I guess concrete steel, as well. Steel, concrete. All, all the materials have uh, have been increasing. I'm told that construction, the materials cost, has they've stopped increasing, but labour is still a problem. Getting labour, it's very expensive and, and very limited. You noted there that existing older stock might go for 90 to $100 a square metre. Is that square metre of the land or of the building? No, that's, that's over the building. Okay, that's the, over building. the building. <laughs> and the newer stocks, more like 130 Correct. Is it simply because the developers of the newer product need higher prices? Is it because there's any more utility on a warehouse that's one year old versus 50 years old? Yeah, it's just meeting the market. It's where the existing market sits and, and the newer market is basically on their land component, your construction cost and your developer's margin. But typically for a new development, you'd be looking at about 130 per square metre for your warehouse. If you had a canopy, which was fully sprinkled, ESFR, which is Early Suppression Fast Release, sprinkler system, that'd be probably 45 to $50 per square metre under the canopy. And then your hard stand rate is about 25 to $30 per square metre if you had some sort of yard where you could store materials that don't need to be stored in undercover. They can be stored outside. Then Bulky you, goods, ISO bags, those pipes, sort of things. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff, yeah. You talk about how quickly that market's been soaked up in the last couple of years. Is it because there's been a huge influx of, of demand or simply because the pool of supply was so small in the first place? Or a uh, bit of both? If we go back pre-pandemic, the vacancy rate was about 20%. I'd like and to, we thought residential was big at Seven and a half. Yeah. Industrial real estate, the leasing side of things, we had an almighty boom in 2006 and 2007, and then it fell off a cliff. Since that time, there's really been no rental growth and, and high vacancy in industrial ever since 2006, 2007. It's been a dead market. Correct, yeah. Flatlining. Was that uh, no, pretty no, tough for you to operate in personally? Well, no. A good, a good agent can make transactions in any market, yep. whether the market's going up whether the market is going down or whether the market is, is flat. I assume just, a lot of people would have lost have a bit of money in that time, maybe selling out, or are they Pe- mainly who, long-term holds? People these? who bought in the boom and for whatever reason had to sell in the intervening period, they would have probably lost money, yeah. Based or, on or reduction lucky, in rent. Break, break even, yeah. Yep. Well, let's yep. segue into values then. Now, when we think about, again, mum and dad, so they used to, a house being worth what the market will pay for it, really. There's a little bit of a connection with replacement cost and, and land value, but really it's just based on demand and supply. 
Now, the industrial market, in the sense that it is a commercial asset, my understanding of the value is that is sits as a reflection of a yield, a cap rate against the rent. As you just mentioned there, if the rent drops significantly or drops it in any way, well, the value of that property will drop consummately. Can you talk to how long normally leases are, how the story has been over the last 15 years with regards to rents and how the story has been for yields? Well, in terms of lease terms, if a developer's building something that's fairly specialised, like with some very heavy duty overhead cranes or coal storage or chiller rooms. You'd be looking at a minimum of 15 years to get the payback, but more typically it's probably five to 10 years. Some companies are loath to go out to five years because they prefer a three-year horizon for their leases just because they see some growth so they don't want to overcommit themselves mm. to a particular size property for any longer than three years. But in terms of obsolescence of buildings, because the market in Perth is so tight at the moment, there's probably some big sheds out there that have probably passed their use-by date and have been well and truly depreciated, but are still returning $90, $95 per square metre to the owner. So there's no drive but from their point to demolish it and, and rebuild or upgrade yeah. it. Whilst there continues to be a market, those older style sheds will be quite viable. So in the downtime before the pandemic, were those sheds probably renting out at $50, $60 a square yeah, metre? Yeah, like they were probably, what, what, what was $60 a square metre pre-pandemic is now 90 And was it 90 in the boom before in 2006, 2007? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, basically, we basically got back... In, in terms of rental rates to where we were in 2006, So it sort of reflects the residential market in that vein. Mm. Cap rates, though, they're obviously a bit different based on the relationship with the cash rate. Cap rates have compressed remarkably in industrial. Going back in time, it was probably 9 or 10% return for anything industrial. Would you say that's a normal? You didn't think that was overpriced or underpriced? It just was what it was? That, that was just the market. It was probably undervalued, I, I thought, but that was the market. People were still making money in that space. You could build and still make a dollar at 9 or 10% cap nine rate. Or, yep, absolutely. Yep. What we've seen, though... Since the pandemic, the industrial markets, not just in Perth, industrial markets worldwide have just been booming. Cap rates got down to probably mid fives, even lower on the East Coast, down to mid fours, and some of them even broke 4% return. It was seen as a safe asset class. A lot of people, a lot of big funds and institutions were underweight in their portfolios, so they bought into, into industrial at the same time. And look, and cap rates have come out probably moved a little bit with, with you know, we've had eight interest rate rises in as many months. Well, we've seen 3% increase in the cash rate. Yep. How has that relationship on the cap rate been connected yep. to the cash rate change? Has yep. It's obviously not been one for one. No, cap rates in industrial have probably moved, I would say, probably only half a percent. So what was five and a half is now six. What was six and a half is now seven. And the reason uh, where we haven't seen the same sort of reaction, I think, as we've seen over in the East Coast, is there is more headroom here in WA, both in residential mortgages, and the same applies to industrial. So it's the affordability, well, that, that come, the cost, can, the value that comes out of that cap rate. They can withstand the increased loan repayments. Also bearing in mind that the rentals have increased across the board over the past two years by 30%. So that little uplift in your cap rate has been more than compensated for by your uplift in rent. So whilst your cap rate has moved out slightly, the value of your asset has actually increased. If you had 10 properties in Welshpool 
how many of those would be leased out to an operator and how many of those would be owner occupied? Welsh Pool is probably more leasehold. I think the occupiers, the type of user in Welsh Pool, uh, the big logistics companies, they prefer to lease. It'd probably be 60, 40, 60% leased, 40% owner occupied. And is that standard across Perth or are there other areas that are way more owner occupied? Um, that's pretty. That's fairly standard, yeah, across yeah. all of them the board it's interesting to note that there's not a one-for-one relationship it's the same as commercial the commercial spaces of course and to be frank if there was a one-to-one relationship i'd say the whole industries would the ass would fall out of them because (laughs) no one would be able to develop provide more supply because nothing would stack up Mm, so of course that's a positive do you see this as as lagging the market a little bit or do you think well no look trent it's probably going to stay in the next year or so i really do expect it to probably Mm. stagnate now at six or six and a half percent i think the cap rates will stay pretty much where they are for the moment certainly for the next 12 months 18 months we're seeing a lot more supply come to the market there's a lot of speculative development happening and that's a developer builds on spec just hoping someone leases at some point without any without any without any pre-commitment and there's about sixty thousand square meters of space coming onto the market on a spec basis so that will alleviate some of the supply issues but I think rents will continue to hold where they are, probably even some further increases there. Just with inflation? Just with inflation, yep. Yeah. And I, I see cap rates staying pretty much where they are. Essentially because people can afford to pay that amount for that product. Rents aren't going to drop. And as long as there's a buck in it for an owner or yep. a developer, yep. it's yep. not really that related to yep. the cost of yep. capital yeah. for the buyer. Is that why? Correct, yeah. And the demand as well, the demand side of it, there's a lot of demand for industrial real estate in Perth from the East Coast because they see value over here. They see a market which in their eyes is is undervalued. Well, I put it this way, I, I think they see a warehouse that is being <coughs> leased out by a distribution centre or something like that for $7 million in Sydney that over here costs four. And it's the same thing with the same operator. Why is that? It's simply that difference in land value. But land values are much cheaper here. We've seen some of the major developers from the East Coast buy large tracts of land for future industrial estates. And again, because they see a long-term future in Perth. But the main attraction at the moment is is the, 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 the value. They see value here compared to uh, to the east coast you know 130 a square meter 140 per square meter in rent for for industrial space here in perth we we see that as being high they see that as being wow that's a bargain that's cheap there's a lot of space for growth yeah yep let's talk about the buyers then who are buying your industrial properties are them at the moment is it local owner occupiers is it local mum and dad investors is it local fund managers or is it actually you know given the population we've got we're one tenth of the population is it a whole bunch of east coast people as well yeah. it's all of those trent it's all of those years ago if you had an asset in in perth where you're tr- having trouble selling it you'd in desperation almost you'd get on the phone and ring your contacts on the east coast and try to sell it into the eastern coast east coast markets as a last resort as a last resort that's all changed. You now you get a listing to sell something here in Perth Industrial, and it's one of the first calls you make because they've got more hunger, more money, the, yeah, more more demand, more, of them. more money, more of them, and the, and that perception of value they see here, they're getting an extra percentage point at least on their cap rate here as opposed to buying something 
on the East Coast. So the industrial investors, regardless of where they're investing in, the world has now got so much smaller because of the you know, advances in technology. So they don't have to come over here or they can, it'll be right. quick. Yeah. They can see it with, with videos. They can see it with <clears> your virtual tours. All the data's there. It's, it's not some foreign land anymore, Perth to them. There's 10 times more of them and they've all had, they've all just like in the residential space because it's the same story as residential investment and commercial investment mm. there's a huge push from the east coast of people that go well i could buy here but everyone's talking about how the market's dropping here and i'm not getting any value mm. or i could go to perth which is absolutely on the up the cost of everything's half why wouldn't i go there yeah and there isn't that it doesn't seem to be that barrier that there was 15 years ago yeah. correct i think that demand has been fed. I think in the past, Perth's probably been viewed as a boom and bust sort of economy. I think that perception has changed over on the East Coast in particular, and they really see opportunities over here. Even if it hasn't changed, I think the perception is it's boom. Yes. So get yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people see Perth as Sydney 10 to 15 years ago and go, well, we've got the experience, we've seen Sydney, exactly and right. that all, we're just going to apply the same theory to Perth now going to jump on there and everyone from Western Australia has got the last 10 years of being burnt in their mind going oh I just don't know yet bang that time in that, in that same minute that they've had that trepidation the Sydney person's gone I'll take three of these things yep 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 and now, it's probably pushing us out of the market a little bit isn't it I don't think so no we've we've got buyers agents rigging us asking us what we've got to sell uh, from the East Coast? From the East Coast, yes. You don't have those from the West Coast, though, do you? No, 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 no. But I think um, I, I think the market will continue to be to be strong on the, on the sales side of it. The only issue with it is it, it, the market is so tight that like stock levels are, are very, very, very low. So it's just it's 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 hard to get the listings. But once you've got it, it's it's a pretty I wouldn't say easy, but it's a good sale. Let's say I've got a certain amount of money in my pocket today, and I decide that I'm going to spend it on buying a piece of industrial land and developing it without an operator at the moment. I'm going to get on with it right now, get my approvals and do it. Would you call me crazy or would you say, no, 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 you're all good? No, no, no. Look, I've got an operator for you and this is where you should put it. Yeah, yeah. If you're building on spec and you can get your hands on, say, 4,000 square metres of land, you could put a 2,000 square metre workshop there with a 10-tonne crane and I can almost guarantee you it would hardly ever be vacant. That's the sweet spot. That engineering company, that size... Yeah, it'd, it'd be readily lettable. I can see you've got a pep in your voice, the, the way you speak about it. It comes from a guy who's clearly had a hard run for a few years before COVID and is now enjoying the fruits of, I guess, a, a change of guard in property, mm. a change of guard in the way that uh, distribution centers, that global companies, that uh, mining businesses, services businesses view Perth and how they need to have a pre presence here yeah. to yeah. succeed. And against a backdrop of massive undersupply because if you've got 10 15 years of this industry getting kicked in the nuts it's not going to have that much supply coming on so correct. what you're probably talking to is an industry that's playing catch-up correct correct yep and you know, it stands the reason um if, if rents and values go up by 30 percent then it's effectively a 30 percent pay rise for the agent what sort of tenant personifies an asset that provides the best cap rate for a developer or owner yeah, yeah, versus yeah. a weaker one. Yeah. Can you give us a, a broad yeah. example of these companies? It's a good, a good question. And again, this gets back to uh, COVID. Pre-COVID, tenants who had a specialised facility, like anything to do with food preparation, food storage, chiller rooms, cool rooms, 
those properties were viewed as being too specialised and they were actually caned a bit by the investment market because they th- the thinking was, well, if they vacate, what do I do with the building? It's mm. highly specialised. It's built to their specification. There's only so what, many steggles in Perth. What do I do with it? Yeah. Since COVID and, with again, with the supply chain problems, these same properties now command a premium, a premium rent and a premium cap rate because they're seen to be sticky tenants. There's a limited supply of these sort of properties. And once they get in there... They ain't going anywhere. They won't go anywhere. Yeah, so that's been a big change in the market. But typically, more typically, your logistics, your your Lynn Foxes and your toll transports, anything to do with logistics are probably uh, your key premium tenants in Perth. Who would be your weaker tenant that you think these are going to be the ones that will fall out first when the market eventually turns at some point? Young fella starting up his own mechanic warehouse or something like that. Whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and I think that probably reflects very similarly in the commercial space Mm. as well. National brands, strong footprint, obviously going to be there for a long time. I assume you would spec it to suit as well if you could reverse engineer it Mm. and get the operator first versus the speculative food and beverage cafe that is having a crack for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, yes. So it'd be very similar as well in the industrial space. yep. So you're obviously pretty positive about it. Do you see a chance that we are oversupplied in two, three years in any market? Or do you think, Trent, we just need more and more? We need more land. There's not enough land right now in the first place. Uh, There's so many people knocking on my door for space that I don't imagine a segment of this market that is supply. Which which way is it going in two or three years, Wayne? It all stems from the land supply. And over here in Perth or WA, we've got Development WA who who are a major player in the, in the land development. They and turn the tap on and off. Yes, yeah. And, and, and uh, they've got a lot of estates at the moment on the market, but they're all filling up. Sales are, are very strong for industrial land. Realmark were appointed by Development WA to sell land at Rockingham, and, and we sold out the estate. So there's a very strong demand for land, and it's, it's a limited sector. It, there's not too many other land developers who come out and, and subdivide land for industrial, unlike residential, because I think we have the, the strength of develop, development WA. They, 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 they do the job. Yeah, yeah they, they meet that demand. So we've got, we got a restricted supply of land, which means a restricted supply of industrial sheds being built on that land. I can see it the, the situation of probably a shortage of space continuing for the next couple of years. In terms of an outlook for Perth Industrial, I think rents will continue to increase. I think cap rates will probably stay where they are. We'll see a changing of the guard almost in terms of the ownership profile. Okay, let's talk to that. Traditionally, the ownership profile of for industrial in Perth at the big end of the market has been dominated by high net worth developers, investors, Local, local high net worth developers and investors. What we've seen over the past three years, and more particularly after the pandemic, is the entry into the market by big institutional buyers coming into Perth. We had Dexus, who bought the Jandicott Airport for $1.1 billion. I've never seen someone make so much money in one transaction before, those guys <laughs> at Ascot. Good luck to them. Probably one of the best industrial plays in, Ever. in Perth's history. Yep the Jandigot Airport. We had Centuria take out uh, Prime West for $614 million. And then there was Five Capital bought all of the BGC property assets for $208 million. So we've seen a very um, 
high concentration of, of transactions at the big end of the market by East Coast institutions. That will continue and there'll be um, a change in the balance of power where the institutions become the major, major player in the market and they behave completely differently to the local high net worth developer. The local high net worth developer will not give incentives for any of, any of his developments because it's his money that he's playing with. Cash is king. They, they would rather see their property sit vacant than allow a tenant to go in there and pay no rent. It's a lot of old money, isn't it? Correct, yep. correct. The East Coast institution, they're more than willing to give uh, incentives, uh, rent-free periods, capital contribution towards uh, towards lessees fit out because they're transaction-based. They're all about uh, driving the, the, the growth of the fund that the asset sits in. The high net worth local never sells. They're long-term holders Whereas the East Coast investor or East Coast institutional investor, they're traders in real estate. They deal in real estate. They trade in and out all the time. So as a consequence, we'll see a very different market in the in Perth industrial. Well, the, in the, the dynamic's going to change, isn't it? Be well, far less stagnant and far more, oh, I guess, dynamic. Is possibly volatile. Maybe not. I wouldn't say volatile, but we'll certainly see a lot more transactions. More data. More, as well. more transactions at the yeah. big end of the market. Do you think this is simply because the world has woken up to Perth? Is it, again, a factor of that globalization, that more information, people taking our market seriously, or is it that the buyers are becoming more sophisticated, more mature, they understand, more people understand this asset rather than going for the FMB or the, the commercial space or staying in the resi space? Uh, why are there more buyers, fundamentally, Wayne, in industrial in Perth. Well, I think Perth is seen is seen as a safe haven. I think we handled the COVID situation very very well. They see it as a safe asset class, secure. They see it undervalued uh, in terms of rental growth and, and capital values, and they see value here. They see value in the Perth Perth industrial market. Perth was probably a, a forgotten market for many years, but you know, as you mentioned before, Trent, the advent of technology, they can view a property online. They can do their due diligence remotely, and it's opened up the market in Perth uh, to all these east, eastern seaboard buyers. Do you think sales agents as well are more connected these days? Do you think they work together? You've got larger national brands that are providing each other with more opportunities to present to their clients too? Well, the larger, the larger national brands usually have a, uh, a national contract with a, with a larger real estate firm. But I think that there's more interaction between buyer's agents and, and the selling agent than there ever was before. I think we're seeing the emergence of the buyer's agent, particularly uh, East Coast buyer's agents, mm. getting very active in the market, acting for buyers. There certainly seems to be a strong focus for the first time ever in what is a very large and hungry industry being the buyer's agent industry mm. in the East Coast mm. that have all decided that Perth is the flavour of the month yep. at the expense of every other market, really, other than possibly a bit of Queensland. Yep. And it's, it's, the same in the, it's the same in the finance market as well, now that I think about it, Wayne. For so long, financiers from the East Coast had zero interest in Perth, not particularly because Perth was a risky market, but because there was a view that the Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane market was so much low-hanging fruit there there was so little risk that why would they venture mm. out? Mm. Now I think in the absence of opportunity in the East Coast, there is a desperation to find opportunity in investment 
in work for these buyers agents as well that they're looking around their clients are going find us opportunities and the buyers are going well it's perth everyone look at perth 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 yes and therefore you put 10 times the population all under a microscope looking at perth for the first time in years Mm. on such a small undersupplied market that's where i think we're noticing it yep it's it's a good observation I, i think the east coast markets have been so well picked over by buyers and it's so competitive at all ends of the market, from the top down to the smaller assets, uh, so competitive to to acquire industrial property that they've turned to other markets such as Perth. And look, all it can do is help us, right? Mm. If we have a bigger market of buyers, especially in these commercial and industrial assets where you don't have to live in the property to enjoy the benefits financially of it, Mm. uh, then why wouldn't you, right? Wayne Chorley, Director of Industrial at RealMark, thank you so much for your time. It's been very insightful, but also informative for those people wanting to learn more about industrial property investment and development in this space. Thank you so much. Thanks, Trent. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!